Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. The McPherson Tape, or one hour on found footage and aliens. <laughs> this episode is my fault. I will bear this cross. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, all right, here we let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hello, creeps, and welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'm Ash, and with me, as always, is my co-ghost, John. How's it going, John? I I am very excited today. I am always happy to be back here making another episode. This is going to be this is going to be a fun conversation, I think. Uh yes. <laughs> uh, this is this is the, the rare occasion where we're covering kind of a brand new release. We usually we usually wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um. I mean, we're very cutting edge here today. Although I guess, I guess, um, in our in our defense, this is a brand new release of a movie from the eighties. So, so <laughs> bullet dodged. We're still we're still not covering new films. Uh, what are we talking about today, Ash? What are we talking about uh, today? We're talking about UFO abduction, aka the McPherson tape, recently released by the good people at Agfa, Bleeding Skull, and Vinegar Syndrome. Um. Which is, or those are three great names for things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking for like the the cutting edge of kind of B movie horror wonderfulness, there's there's really no better people to look to. Then yeah, you can't you can't you can't go you can't get better than that. That's amazing. We're talking about the McPherson tapes. It is, um, the the. Its main title is the McPherson ta- tapes. Its alternative title. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so kind of the back history of this film is it was filmed, and then the distributor uh, suffered a warehouse fire, which destroyed um, allegedly every copy. But it kind of snuck around as as an underground film for almost two decades, three decades, four decades, something mm-hmm. like that, before being released actually this year uh, by the American Genre Film Archive. So uh, it was known as the McPherson tape when it was underground because it was a purportedly real tape of UFO abduction. But the actual yeah. film is called UFO abduction. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So um, the the main film title does kind of tell you a lot about what this film is about. It really does plot-wise. give it all away. <laughs> it, it really does. But as always on the show, we always take a minute right off the top to allow Ash in his own often mimics a never bettered style to tell us what the film is truly all about. Alien abduction stories are one of the greatest Rorschach tests of our time. What we see when we look to the stars is not an objective analysis of some visual, auditory, or experiential phenomena. It is a confessional. Fox Mulder turned to the skies and found curiosity. Dan O'Bannon saw the horrors of capitalism when we envisioned life from another world. Gene Roddenberry dreamt of a future where humanity could escape our earthly prejudices and find unity amongst the stars. When we imagine alien life, we are bound by cultural restraints we might not even feel. The famous Fermi paradox, drawing from the Drake equation and the notion of the great filter, we're unable to imagine intelligent life that wasn't propelled by colonialism and the capitalist forces that chain us all. UFO narratives often reflect sexual anxieties, invasion narratives, and governmental betrayal. We haven't been telling ourselves stories from beyond the stars. We've been telling on ourselves. Join us for today's film, 1989's UFO Abduction, or The McPherson Tape. As always, as always, uh, listening to Ash talk about really what the film is about, I think is um, one of my favorite parts of doing this show. Um, Where do you want to start? Where do you want to start talking about The McPherson Tapes? Um, I guess, did you like the movie? Okay, this is an... <laughs> is this a loaded question? This is an interesting question. This is an interesting question. Now, I I did a little bit of research before watching the film and kind of understood that, you know, this is a found footage film. And found footage is never really my favorite genre. Um, It's just, you know, it just doesn't click with me. I think everybody has at least one kind of uh, form of horror that you can appreciate but you don't necessarily like love found footage horror has always been that for me and it's because 
in many ways i think the beats of the story are too familiar and too generically played out you know you know if you've seen a few you can kind of see where they're going um and really it's because of films like this which in so many ways solidified and codified the generic rules of what found footage is supposed to be right and it's because this film and later films because this pre this kind of predates an awful lot of what we would typically think of as like the first found footage movie. I mean, in fact, in fact, um, the McPherson tape does bill itself as the first found footage horror movie. Yeah, and with good cause. So, um, yes, I did. I I do like it. Um, but it took me a while to get to that point because there was a lot. There was quite a lot of the time I was watching it. I was going. Uh, okay yeah and now we're gonna get the up oh, yep no oh, the lights don't work and i had to kind of stop myself and go actually this was a film that kind of pioneered those directorial choices and those cinematic techniques and those filmic strategies to kind of generate the tension and thinking like that i actually had a lot more kind of appreciation for it so i guess that's a very convoluted way of saying uh yes yes i did like it <laughs> awesome but you get what I mean, I hope, that like, it took me a while to kind of get past the, the kind of codified genre expectations, which, and actually credit this film and, the, and, and this kind of group of people who put this together for being the ones who codified it, rather than seeing this as a kind of generic repetition of something already existing, you know, because it was this film that pulled a lot of that together. I, I think like this is, this is a really interesting, like Kafka and his precursors moment, a little, um, yeah, yeah. reference that essay there because like like a lot of a lot of like those kind of negative found footage tropes like um not the blair witch project but the blair witch the remake uh movies like cloverfield you know that that you in found footage so we have the ultimate question in a found footage movie and that's why are these people still filming you know there, there's yes, something terrifying absolutely. and horrible going on around them and it's like okay why do you still hold the camera and it makes sense in the blair witch project right because they're filmmakers they're out to document this horrible woods monster and then they encounter it so of course they want to keep rolling they're naturally motivated and then like then you get to movies like cloverfield where it's like okay like why are you smartphone filming this this makes no sense to me (laughs) yeah but i think um i think the mcpherson project like you know i I would be interested to find out if the creators of the blair witch project knew about this film or, or had seen like a bootleg copy of it or maybe the late late 90s remake um, I am I am a hundred percent convinced that this was floating around some like underground like film scene. Oh, it, it definitely definitely when, was when 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 the directors got that of the Blair Witch Project got their hands on it because there are moments which feel like di- almost directly not not ripped off or recreated but replicated in terms of form structure and technique from this into the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of similarities, but I think they're they're real strengths. Like I think I think the McPherson tape really like unexpectedly deftly handles the the found footage genre. You know, cuz I, I guess I guess we can start cuz both of us um before we started recording, we both wanted to talk about found footage, and I think this makes a natural transition, but like yeah, yeah. So one of one of the things that found footage for me I always find really interesting is that the found footage movies that I find to be really really successful like um and if we if we extend the genre of movie for a second like uh even like YouTube found footage stuff like Marble Hornets you know like mm. uh, Marble Hornets the Blair Witch Project the McPherson tape like the the found footage stuff that I think is just like uh uh the the uh examples par excellence of the genre they're all incredibly natural, like like the Blair Witch yeah. Project, Marble Hornets, and the McPherson tape have like like the McPherson tape has tons of of moments where you spend like minutes in near total darkness, where where there is no yeah, yeah, visual yeah. information on screen besides some lights. It's often out of focus. It's incredibly grainy, but then again, this is like like shot on VHS type of stuff, and I think that makes it really successful for me right because even if like uh the Blair Witch Project is a great example because these are three college film students and and they are they they know how to handle cameras and recording gear right they know how to frame a shot (laughs) but 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 there are so many shots in the Blair Witch Project that are just like blurry confusing awkward too fast 
you know, you know, they're not they're not the composed shots of a movie. They're the in moment shots that you would naturally have if you're trying to record something that's frightening and dangerous and fast and unpredictable. And you get that in the McPherson tapes. You get that in Marble Hornets. And I think that that makes it really successful to me is that there's this organic and natural quality that you can't replicate as mm. as successfully, right? Because like the, the Blair Witch Project remake is a great example of it. That 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 remake oh, is yeah, totally. it's so composed, it's so designed, and, and it, it doesn't feel like a bunch of people went into the woods with some cameras and recording gear and attempt to solve a mystery. It feels like a Hollywood studio sent some actors to play people into the woods, attempting to be people for solving yeah, yeah, a mystery. Yeah. That kind of brings up two interrelated points that I was hoping we would talk about, which is that what's really interesting about found footage, based on what you said there, right? The reason this film is so is so kind of impactful is because of its lack of fidelity to reality yes like uh, which is because it's caught on vhs tape right vhs tape which is grainy and is poor quality and you know it's often not in focus which raises which raises the the kind of implication is something i've thought about found footage for a while which is that found footage is one form of horror which is so structurally dependent upon a form of technology which was only really widely used for maybe what three or four generations which is like analog recording of video once you move on to digital video and like high fidelity imaging found footage becomes like not impossible but much more difficult to do in a way that feels like these are actual people recording something that they've actually seen and I think that that's what makes like it's this fascinating kind of like time capsule of a certain stage of popular technological development. Because once we all started recording like 1080 uh, 1080p video on smartphones or like my sm- smartphones, which were con- record up into 4K, it's like you're never going to be able to kind of convincingly go here is a grainy out of focus panicked shots mostly because now like digital video capture has like inbuilt image stabilization uh, so i think what's so interesting is that there is this there was this kind of one form of technology that existed for a kind of relatively limited time and even then when it was something that is now kind of obsolete we still it still found its way into horror what do you think I, I think you're right that it's a lot harder to do found footage with like if you're filming on like a, a pixel you know like one of the smartphones that can do 4k <laughs> yeah right yeah like like it's harder it's harder to do found footage because your image is so naturally it has such a great fidelity to it and this is the this is the other point that I wanted to us to kind of talk about which is that mimetic realism or like fidelity to the image is absolutely antithetical to generating kind of tension and horror absolutely like the mcpherson the mcpherson tapes is scary precisely because of what you can't see yes and if you think well what we really need is like better image quality or like it needs to be realistic you completely missed the point of what makes found footage like remotely interesting. And I think I think this is true of all horror too, because like oh, what, yeah, what you can imagine is always definitionally scarier than what can be depicted on screen. You know, you mm-hmm. your mind will naturally fill the blanks. Like if there's some unseen terror stalking our characters, your mind will fill the blank with something far more unsettling because your brain will pull together these images of things that you are afraid of, not what the filmmaker is going to try and convince you to be afraid of. And like yeah. the aliens in the McPherson tape are a great example of this. These are literally Halloween store rubber mask gray costumes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they're like, like you go spend 15 bucks at a Halloween store on an alien costume and, and you have the costume from the McPherson tape. And like yeah. that, that if I, if I took pictures of somebody like creeping around my apartment and, and that on, on my, on my smartphone and I don't even have like a 4k smartphone, right? I have just a regular uh, uh, fidelity smartphone and like, it would not be scary because you would be like, oh, that's a Halloween store costume. But when it's grainy, when when like the lighting is terrible, like your your mind is compelled to fill this space and you fill it with yourself and you build this personal connection. 
Yeah, absolutely. And this idea that really you could do a kind of like high def remake and not absolutely ruin the film is it's just completely non it's just completely nonsensical. And this raises so many interesting questions, right? About um the relationship of the individ- of the viewer to the medium in which something is filmed and the way in which these kind of structural technological choices can determine so much about what kind of end uh, text you end up with. Um, and I think that's why that's why I I don't know if I really liked this film, but I definitely find it fascinating. I don't know if you know you know what I mean. I, I'm not sure if I had the kind of like emotional connection to it, but I like on a on a intellectual level, I find it really interesting that this that like a filmmaker can show me nothing but like a blank screen with like film grain going past the the lens and i'm like on the edge of my seat i think that's an incredible (laughs) that's an incredible bit of of film art so there's this kind of interesting dialogue that's happening between the viewer between the kind of artistic choices that the filmmakers have made and the the medium right this this medium of of um low quality grainy film stock or video which makes all the difference yeah, yeah. And I think on, on the other hand, like, I just love this movie. I just eat this stuff up like candy. Like, a, a well-done found footage horror movie is one of the best things that, that I can have little as a treat. You know, like, yeah, oh, absolutely, perfectly done. You know, like, this is this is so good. And I think, like, they're, they're, like, when it comes to doing modern found footage with, like, digital screens, I think there are ways to do it that get around the fidelity problem. And like uh, 2014's Unfriended is like a good example of this. Like the movie is really bad. <laughs> like like the, the, the plot's awkward, the acting's awkward, but like uh, like the technical aspect of kind of like having a Skype chat that's haunted, I think comes across really well. And then there's like As Above, So Below. And then there's a couple other like digital found footage movies that I think kind of successfully tackle the problems you get when you have like, 4k ready cameras in your hand that you could shoot like cinema ready b-roll on if you felt like it and like like you you get you get around that by doing i think some of the things that found footage on a conceptual level can do really well and there are like there's this aspect of found footage that challenges alienation by making us so close to everything that's going on it's a really intimate filming experience and it it's not when it's done successfully it's not very much a product you know, it, like it, it loses all those production. It's, it's a lot like seeing a band play a live concert midway through a tour. You know, like there's some off mm. chords here or there. Like the singer might like stop halfway through a song to get a drink. And like it's you, you're getting all these awkward artifacts. That's part of like this experiential thing. It's much less polished than like a studio album would be if I'm going to continue this analogy. I, 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 I don't know. I maybe want to kind of like nuance that bit so like i i am skeptical that you can do found footage in the same way precisely because the technology has changed to such a great extent however i think the same kind of thematic concerns can absolutely be done um but in a new way to reflect the te- the technology so i actually think i actually think that the kind of contemporary successor to a found footage film is something like uh cam no what do you mean? because instead of having instead of having like oh what did you think that you saw it's you have this idea because it's the closer integration of digital and physical spaces which is the hallmark of contemporary technology the contemporary the hallmark of previous generations of contemporary of technology was the capturing of physical space in a in a digital or kind of other medium? I I would so I, actually, I, I think I would really strongly disagree with that because I think found found footage is a centuries long genre, right? You know, we have like early early Gothic is is found literature. It's hey, I found this this ancient tome in this monastery I was investigating. Please read it. You know, and then now we have uh, found yeah, footage but- cinema, and I think. It's about it's about discovering the artifact. It's about being like, hey, I have this found piece of technology. And there's like there's found software gaming 
you know and i think i think like cam cam is very clearly a movie it's very clearly choreographed and, and filmed externally and it doesn't have that same conceit it's not like hey like i i found this this movie on many vids it's horrifying check it out you know and i think like it's it's you you can't you can't do the same things just like you can't be, be like oh i found this vhs tape in this monastery from the 1400s please watch it but you can still have a lot of the same kind of emotional elements you can have that same closeness right you can still have that same lack of polish and this kind of um perceived lack of professional filming with digital video with cell phone content and you just have to use new techniques right you can't have the same kind of like Mm, you know like a, a cell phone you you couldn't like like the mcpherson tapes when we first see the um aliens and their ufo we hold on the ufo for mm. like minute and a half two minutes like like we get a really good long look at that ufo but because it's filmed on like a uh, a personal use camcorder type thing it's it's blurry it's out of focus it's too dark you know and and so it's really mysterious whereas if you did that with like maybe a like a google pixel the the onboard software would adjust the lighting and make it and, and you'd see all like the strings holding everything together and the awkward store costumes and stuff so it's it's yeah, less yeah, about exactly. how we're you know it's still found footage if you did that with a cell phone you would just have to change up your technique to compensate for the fact that like okay maybe i can't hold on my monster for two minutes otherwise you'll start to see like the seams in the costume if that makes sense yes yeah, which is why I'm sort of like, is so this is a kind of interesting question, which is that has technology gone through a qualitative or quantitative change and how is that expressed in horror? Because I kind of, I don't know, I'm a little bit skeptical of this idea of kind of reading found footage back into horror history because I think the the found manuscript, the or the ostensibly found manuscript, which is you know, Castle of Otranto, mm-hmm. that kind of first edition. Frankenstein, first edition. Dracula. Frankenstein, Dracula. Dra- well, again, no, Dracula doesn't have any kind of editorial notes to it to say that this is found. It's assembled. So, like, I think, though, that there is that there is a qualitative and quantitative difference in the technological kind of structures, which means that, you know, because we've already said you can't make the McPherson tapes now. You couldn't make the Blair Witch now because the technology is quantitatively and qualitatively so different that you would never be able to generate the same effects without basically an entirely different kind of filmmaking. And a lot of that would be retroactive. So like you would create the necessary effects in post-production and editing rather than being something that feels like it could be something that's created kind of organically I, I think i think and that's the thing th- i don't know I, I just i just think i kind of like i, I really just because if you wanted to make the mcpherson tape 2020 you know and you wanted to have the exact same setup you i think you could do it i mean you could have like like oh i'm filming my niece's fifth birthday on my smartphone everybody you know has wave to the camera you you could do all of that same stuff it would be you you would need to change certain beats right because that's a little hokey you know, like like that's very that's very that's very like a parent thing to do. Maybe like an out of touch parent would be would be filming a home video with their smartphone like that. You know, because yeah. that, that that's a little dated. So so you it would have to be more like like oh like what's up, bros? I'm filming my TikTok at my like <laughs> niece's fifth birthday or something. But but like, wouldn't that just end up being basically like Cloverfield? No, no, and I, and I think and I think the problem is is that Clover Cloverfield's found footage was overproduced you know cloverfield's found footage is is found footage that has been falsified and it it comes off that way it's 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 got too much of this like saccharine overproduced producty feel to it where the mcpherson tape is just so raw you know with the mcpherson tape it like it genuinely feels like you're watching together or you're watching like the only workable remnant of of this footage from an alien abduction just like with the blair witch project you know, you, you get yeah. that little caveat yeah, yeah. at the beginning where it's like, you know, like, oh, the, these are all, this is all the workable footage we found from these tapes. You know, please help us find these yeah, kids. Yeah. And I think you could totally do something like that where it's like, OK, like our, our data experts retrieved all the workable footage from this smartphone. And like this was taken from from, you know, Bobby's fifth birthday party uh, uh, during an alleged, alleged alien abduction. Please help. You know, and I think you could you could have something that is 
in- incredibly similar. You just have to to update it. Like 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 I said, it's it's no longer like oh wave to the camera. I just bought this goofy camera. Now I'm a home video guy. Look out, America's funniest moments or something. You know, you 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 would have to just update it. And it, and it's like like I was saying, like it's oh it's a TikTok teen that's filming it now, or it's like like one of those like vlogger types, you know, who are always doing like, you know, like the vlogs of their daily lives and stuff like that. Like you just have to update it. I mean, I mean, I'm a bit skeptical about that because really like we've, we've seen attempts to do that. The wreck franchise went through that. The paranormal activity franchise went through that. And in a way, I think it, they kept running into the same problems, which is that, like to update it away from the oh i'm just filming my niece's fifth birthday means that in some way you aren't making the same kind of film anymore like i don't i don't i don't think that's a problem necessarily i actually think the question of how do you articulate the 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 immediacy of technology without kind of just showing everything that's on screen in a way that reduces all terror is a really difficult one to kind of deal with as technology moves towards ever greater fidelity and ever greater image quality and actually i think there have to be new ways of exploring how hyper realism and not a kind of lack of realism is scary yeah yeah no i i (laughs) i think i completely agree i just don't see this as a break in the history of kind of found horror texts i see this as like you know, this, the stuff that we're getting right now, like Unfriended, As Above, So Below, like this is a continuation in this long arc of, hey, I found this spooky thing. Please be spooked by it. And and it's it's all yeah, about I mean, discovering these these new modalities, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. But I think the reason that these films are not... I mean, in my opinion, the reason that these films are not terribly successful is because they haven't yet accepted the fact that there needs to be a shift in how you tell this kind of story well see and that shift isn't here's isn't brought about by anything other than the fact that the technology by which you communicate it has changed and here's and here's the thing i think unfriended on a technical level is is a brilliant movie because the entirety of the movie is just different skype screens and you see like broken down digital artifacts, you know, and you have that tension where it's like, where it's like, oh, show me what's happening. Yeah, show yeah. me what's happening. Oh, what was that noise? You know, and you have these people yeah, adjusting yeah, totally. their Skype screens to get it. And like the movie itself is really hokey and the plot's really awkward and, and the framing is super awkward. Um, but like on a technical level, like the idea of like, oh, you're hanging out with your friends over Skype, you know, this is a modern hangout. Oh, it's goofy. Like I think that works incredibly, incredibly well as as a way to be like, okay, what 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 does like the 2010s found footage movie look like? Oh, it's a bunch of like teenagers having having a Skype freak out, you know. And yeah. like I think like if I that movie problem... would have had uh, just a little bit, if if the writing would have been a lot more polished on that movie, it could have been way better. I would agree, actually. I I totally agree. But I think the problem this runs into is technological advancements are happening so rapidly that in a way uh i mean for example unfriended comes out in what 2014 i think off the top of my head yes um and there's like loads of as you say image bleeding there's loads of like digital artifacts but in in less than 10 years in less than 10 years in fact almost now as high-speed internet gets more reliable and more widespread it's going to look incredibly out of date, like almost immediately. And that is a good thing. I think that, yeah, that totally. is amazing. Cause right now, like it would be really easy right now to, to grab like an early camera phone and, and, and do, and do like a, a 360 P resolution found footage horror movie. Mm. You know, like, like that, the door is wide open for that kind of stuff. And I think like when it, when it comes to like like getting around and navigating through the ultra realism we have to fight like it's not an issue of found footage being possible anymore found footage being relevant it's just an issue of navigating the space and and we're going to see that emerge you know like like it it, t- it took forever for found footage cinema to to become a thing in horror from the dawn of cinema to the McPherson tape 
And, you know, it, it's no surprise that it's taking us equally long to, to really hammer out what digital found footage, what that space looks like in a world where literally everyone has a, a virtually cinema ready camera, like taped to their hand 24 seven. I mean, it, the, the thing is, um, the only thing that I will disagree on is that I actually think we're going to work it out much quicker than ever. Um, but what that means is that what the 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 genre of found footage is going to become a lot less stable because like home movies and uh, VHS camcorders were were around for a while in technological terms, which allowed for generic tropes and conventions to stabilize and kind of coalesce around a, a repeated set of tropes and patterns. But as you said, like technology is moving so quickly yes we're going to figure it out but we're going to have to be constantly reinventing it as we go along yeah yeah and i think there's an element of that that's kind of resistant to the teleological nature of, of technology and capital right like found footage doesn't want us to move so fast found footage wants yes. to throw down some yeah, yeah. anchors and slow down this kind of perpetual drag we experience and that's one of the marker, one of the good markers, I think, in this genre is is when you have like like the McPherson tape is resurfacing and reviving again here in 2020, and this was a movie mm -hmm. filmed in the late 80s using late 80s technology, and and there's so much space to like, like it you you could totally do a found footage movie this year that's like oh hey John look at me I'm being I'm being such a hipster I bought this vhs camcorder and a bunch of tapes let's go film our our trip our tour of this castle or something you know um yeah i don't know i do, i i guess i guess my kind of point is that i don't think we really know what found footage looks like with technology that is still so unstable I mean, we're, we're given technological products that are designed to be obsolete after 18 months. Like, you know, we don't have, you know, that was the camcorder that you buy in the 80s. You know, it'd be something that you would keep for, what, three years, five years, maybe even longer. Um, so I think my only my only kind of point is that I don't I don't think we really know yet what a contemporary version of this would look like and how we would make it. And that's something like, I don't think we ever get the answer to that too. Cause even if we look at the technology available in the eighties, right. There was always the new model year, you know, and like, like yeah, things, totally, totally. things, things do advance very quickly and it's never styles are never certain until they're certain. Right. Like found footage didn't mm -hmm. become a style until the Blair Witch Project made a, a billion dollars, not, not literally a billion dollars. Wow. I can't even use a billion figuratively anymore until I made a gajillion dollars. <laughs> off of a movie with with a 10 pence budget and like you know it's like then oh look then like money solidifies the style of found footage after that and then you get these weird yeah. then you get movies like cloverfield where it's like okay this is found footage because you know just just for fun like the idea of found footage godzilla is, is a brilliant concept i love it the execution was awkward but like you know i think like a lot of a lot of what we think of when it's like okay like how does a style solidify like we're, we won't know it until we know it, right? Like someone, someone will crack this code and then it'll be, it might be like a decade before something else popularizes it, right? There's a lot of like, like I referenced that uh, Kafka and his precursors essay earlier. And I think like that's, that's a lot of how we read found footage, right? Like no one was talking about found footage until the Blair Witch Project turned it into this like popular international genre of horror. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> this isn't this isn't the found footage horror podcast, and we've spent like half the episode talking about it. <laughs> um, so I I am totally okay with that. So um, um, to actually talk about the movie though, and not just kind of the genre the movie is situated in, um, the McPherson tape is about a UFO abduction, unsurprisingly, and kind of humans have been like really interested in kind of beings from the stars, if you will, for the longest time, right? Like Titus Livius was writing about them in, in 2018 BCE. And then we have like just an endless, you know, line of, oh, I've seen an alien up leading up until modern days. And like the McPherson tape is drawing heavily on the Hopskinville Goblin incident. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, yep. it's, so what do we make of this history of UFO abductions? I really like what you said at the introduction, that these are 
self confessions. The the and it's the kind. It's I always think that it's interesting what kind of alien becomes popular when. Yeah. Uh, historically speaking, because like the encounter with the other is always a re- a revelation of the self, right? That's that's you know a pretty a pretty kind of standard psychoanalytic point that we understand ourselves in relation to um in relation to and through the relation to the other um which goes all the way back to hegel so like i think it's really interesting that in the 90s you get things like uh independence day where uh, <laughs> you have the where you have the kind of like it's pure schlock triumph pure schlock yes but it's a triumphalist um ending that reinforces american hegemony it is um about you know a failed invasion a failed encounter with the other that kind of collapses into into you know it's about america looking back at itself and recognizing its own greatness it's very uh a, a, a kind of masturbatory celebration of militarism oh yeah um, I, I think the, a lot of people and, need to go back and rewatch specifically the scene in independence day where it's the montage of international news anchors and they're, yeah. and they're all like, oh, my lord, the, the Yanks have done it. They found out how to defeat the aliens. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, absolutely. And then Lindsay Ellis made a great video about this, talking about how if you compare that to Spielberg's War of the Worlds, which is post 9-11, uh, an American cultural space which is inherently more fragile, it is like a deeply traumatic encounter with the other which seems violent and alien and there's no possibility of communication. Um, and to kind of keep harping on Spielberg, you know, think about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, so I think if you look at the, what kind of alien arrives and what the reaction is, you can understand a lot about the wider context of culture at the time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely right. Like, like I think... Um... You know, when I, when I said that, like, our, our experiences with, like, UFOs are, in, if, if nothing else, a Rorschach test. Like, like not, even, not even to discuss if, if they're real or genuine phenomena or not, but just how, mm. we, how we recreate and, and reconstitute these narratives is, mm. is purely a discourse about who we are and how we feel, right? Like, like Fox Mulder, like, to him, it was this great, this mystery and this puzzle, and, and he was looking for truth. You know, he wanted to know what was out there, right? And then, and then, um, O'Bannon, uh, O'Bannon was the writer for um, a lot of movies that actually deal with like this capitalistic vision of aliens, right? And famously, he wrote Alien itself, which is like the like pinnacle of aliens as metaphor for capitalism. And then, like, you know, you get the McPherson mm. tape, and it's got, you know, like, okay, like, so what? What's going on here? Like, what are this? What are these same like? sublimated urges and thoughts that are being experienced through this counter encounter with aliens well that's a very interesting question ash which i I am amazed it has taken a good 40 minutes before we get to this point yeah this might be a longer episode because we did spend a lot of time discussing found footage at the top given that we are given that we are both uh leftists and we're talking about UFOs. Do we need to talk about Posadism? I think we do. I think we do. So, uh, uh, Juan Posadas, uh, the, the the kind of founder of the the movement, it's all tied up in the kind of Trotsky splits in the Fourth International, which we won't get too much into because that's very uh, uh, taking us somewhat off topic. But the Posadist argument is that. UFOs could only arrive at Earth as the product of civilizations that are um, advanced beyond uh, things like kind of capitalist exploitation and um, the the violences and 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 kind of class uh, struggles of a capitalist society. So, is it po- possible to think of the alien as the arrival of a potential socialist horizon? And especially in a film which is so closely focused on a American nuclear family, uh, what does that say that the alien arrives and the first, the 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 outsider, the other, the 
the the emissary of a kind of socialist possibility arrives and the first thing that uh they attempt to do is pull out shotguns and blow it away <laughs> well i think i think i think it's it's a really interesting lead up to the encounter right and and it's um it's it's like like issues of communication always arise in, in like alien fiction and like arrival i love the movie arrival so much because the whole thing is about how would you even communicate with with a life form that you share virtually no commonalities with and like we see like the first encounter with aliens in the mcpherson tape it's like they're they're far away and they're trying to film them and then they're like oh god they looked at us run away <laughs> like there, there, there's something you know like like we're talking about like you know like this little crafty and the oldest fear is the fear of the unknown kind of idea and like like the family unit you know like there, there's a lot of tension in the mcpherson tape about the family unit being challenged by by this external force about the idea that there that there's this external threat to, to to this coherent idea of a family unit and the family unit being able to sustain itself right like the the force of the alien disrupts the power it disrupts the ability for their vehicle to work uh, eventually it starts you know like uh, uh the aliens are somehow broadcasting this psychic influence in into yeah, the family absolutely. into the mcpherson family and and making them hear things like oh open the door it's safe go outside you know <laughs> like stuff like this like luring them out honestly the more i think about it the posadist reading of this film is entirely correct <laughs> like pos- uh, the Posadas line is that that aliens, a- extraterrestrial visitors could only emerge from a post-capitalist society. Um, that's the only way that that technology and um would advance to a to a position in which you could countenance the idea of viable interstellar travel. You'd have to get beyond capitalism. Oh yeah, um, easily. And which I which I think is relatively sensible. Actually, I mean, the, the entirety of Star Trek exists to prove that point. Precisely, and so <laughs> and so, so this idea of like, isn't it isn't it so striking that moment in the film where I think it's like um, they're deciding that whether they're going to kind of run for the truck to escape, and there's one of the one of the uh, one of the men keeps saying, "I'm in charge now. I'm in charge." I'm in charge of this family. And so you have a trio. I think it's three aliens. I think. I, th- I think it's um, meant to be more, but they had three people in alien costumes. They had three guys. <laughs> they, had, they had the budget to pay three guys. Um, but, you know, you have a you have a collective consciousness that's able to communicate ex- extra linguistically. Um, that doesn't necessarily seem to be hugely threatening. Again, Posadis always said that Aliens would be here only to observe. They weren't a threat, um, mostly because they would be so far advanced of us. What would be the point uh, of them threatening us? Who were able to communicate extra linguistically and are they're met by hostility by the kind of pet patriarchal nuclear family force that's threatened by this? Yeah, and like the Van Hees family, like our, our family inside the McPherson tape, they are they're mm-hmm. so frail i think once this threat happens you know when it comes when it comes to like like facing this this external challenge to to the structure of the nuclear family they they have no resource they have no way to actually face it which i find to be like really 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 interesting in the context of the film and in the greater context of like entering into like 90s capitalist america right and one of the pinnacles of american consumerism this this family perceives the these these aliens as a threat which in the context of the film they very well are but like their their response to the is like this really individualistic even inside of their their nuclear family unit which is supposed to be like the quote-unquote natural way for humans to assemble right you know like like they 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 do their own thing they're very they're very atomized and in the end one has to like seize dictatorial control over the family unit in order for them to yeah. put up any kind of resistance. And, and I think it's, so, it's really, it's really laying bare the fantasy of, of like, like families as, as this true natural state. Yeah. I think that's something that's so interesting, right? This idea that, and a, a state, which is basically powerless because how it ends, it ends with, and this is something else that I wanted to talk about, which is this idea of the, the basic impulse of this kind of grouping of society, this individualistic patriarchal domineering social discourse 
is to enforce a constructed normality. And I think this is what kind of really hit me about watching this film now, right? This they they have this encounter with the outside, with the other, with something that is truly unique and new, and they respond with violence towards it. And then there is this desperate drive to enforce kind of normality. You know, the, the like the last kind of few minutes of the film are them talking about playing go fish. Everybody's got to sit down. You've got to play cards. Mm-hmm. You can't worry about what's going on. Like, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to go back to normal. When in fact, they've had extremely real concrete evidence that going back to normal is not possible anymore. It's not even something that would be potentially beneficial. It's just literally impossible. How do you go back after having an encounter with the other, with the outside? The only way you can do that, that is through violence. It's through reactionary violence. Yes. Yes, like this is like like to use the extended Heineck scale, they've had a close encounter of the sixth kind. And like Absolutely. And like there there's no going back from that. Like you you have crossed a threshold. And so much of horror is kind of uh positioned on this, right? Like that you as an individual or a group of individuals cross a threshold and and you go beyond mundanity. You experience and you see something that that can a line that can never again be crossed. Yeah, and the only way to uncross that line is to destroy a part of yourself. Like, like once you've once you've parted the veil, the only way to unpart it is, is to blast that part of yourself clean off the rest of you, and that and that requires mm-hmm. a grotesque use of violence. And and we do definitely. I think you're completely right. We see this in the Van Hees family. You know, like once uh, you know a dictatorial control is seized. And then the family unit is forced to try and have a normal activity. And like there, there's something to be said about, you know, trying to, to re- retain a hold on normalcy during kind of chaotic and terrible events, which I think is another successful read of what's going on with the fact yeah. in this instance. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're completely right with that read into this. And I suppose it comes down to what what is your response to the to the emergence of the the outside? Um what is your what is your understand how do you theoretically conceptually make sense of it um the genuine outside the genuine new which under capitalist realism is increasingly impossible you know when that when that emerges what do you do and uh there are a variety of ways of processing it right and there is like but this one i think it's it's reactionary violence that's the response it's oh, not easily, necessarily yeah. an attempt to maintain normality or even to kind of integrate or deal with or respond to the outside it's reactionary violence yeah yeah i i completely agree that that's how the situation is is fought and it really follows really closely what happened during the um kelly hopskinville encounter right with the with the hopskinville goblins you know this is kind of like beat for beat except Mm. for um the appearance there's no appearance of police in uh the mcpherson type yeah yeah um, but what, one thing, uh, one other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is like how we kind of rationalize and we think about alien encounters in kind of a broader sense, you know, um, mm. on, on like, on like a, an, an officious term. Cause it was just, um, I think about a year or two ago now that like, like, uh, like United States Naval Intelligence released UFO footage. They just yep. flat out release videos and they're like, <laughs> we literally have no idea what we're seeing here. Here's a tape. <laughs> and it's like, like, okay, so we could talk about like literally un- unidentified flying object, you know, and whether or not that's from space is a separate conversation. But then this kind of like leads into something that I've always found really interesting. And that's the Fermi paradox. And that's the idea that mm. our galaxy is 13 and a half ish billion years old. Right. And, and according to the Fermi paradox, that, that there should be plenty of Earth-like planets in this galaxy. And that should have been plenty of time for enough of them to develop interstellar activities that we should be like seeing at the very least debris. You know, we, we should be seeing yeah. the, the aftermath of intergalactic civilization, if, even if, if it doesn't exist anymore. But like what's what's always really interesting to me about the Fermi paradox, and a lot of people have pointed this out, is there are so many holes that it's not really a paradox it's more like fermi's bad explanation of why we don't see ufos you know because because there are there are tons of explanations for this right and, and because the fermi paradox never even bothered to consider that like 
any alien civilization might not be interested in colonialism. Like colonialism might be a unique phenomenon to humans. You know, like the uh, again, I I refer you to the to the the school of thought known as Posadism, right. which would completely agree. Yeah, yeah, for, for me, for me, like, is one hundred percent pierced by by you know like socialist understandings of aliens. Yeah, I mean this this is you know the idea that any kind of consciousness that had reached the point of being able to travel, you know, would see us as something like to be conquered is a very strange assumption and is a very anthropocentric assumption because it rests upon the kind of premise that the only kind of consciousness that could exist would be consciousness that's uh analogical to ours but it's deeply it's so it's deeply revealing that every every kind of like ufo narrative splits into one of two kind of different qualitative camps where in one the the aliens in question are hostile monsters that must be annihilated in order to secure our way of life or yeah, they yeah. were they were here trying to give us some kind of brilliant information that would save us from ourselves but but we were we were yeah. too kind of bullheaded to see that and we killed them all off anyway and it's it's incredibly telling that those are the kind of uh alien fictions produced by the seat of empire Yes, absolutely. This idea that those are the only two choices, you know, is it's it's very yeah, it's revealing, right? How do you deal with the outside? The outside is either the paternalistic, um, you know, the paternalistic uh, psychoanalytic father that's there to kind of fix all of your problems for you by giving you the 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 uh, objet d'art that's going to f- that, you know repair <laughs> human consciousness. Uh, or it's the threat. It's the disciplining great other that's there to kind of like wipe you out entirely. And it and both of those kind of absolve us of the responsibility of one demolishing the the the, the system of of capitalism that produces so many of the conflicts and divisions within humans generally, and two absolves us of the responsibility for raising kind of class and and you know a collective consciousness to a point at which an encounter with a consciousness radically different to our other to our own would be an opportunity and not a threat or solution to something yeah yeah basically basically the solution to making contact with ufos is class consciousness and a socialist revolution and i think like i think we see a really good interesting fictive example of this in star trek you know, like like yeah, especially yeah. especially when we get to um, TNG, right? Uh, we we see a lot of like they'll encounter some like alien force, and the alien force will do something horrible to to humanity and to the other um, humanoid aliens aboard the Enterprise, right? It'll like invade their minds, or, or it'll kill a few of them. But always like Picard and and the rest of kind of like the more thoughtful leadership. Are like wait we got to figure this thing out first. We we have to see what it what it's doing. Like the crystalline entity is the best example of this. It wipes out a couple of human civilizations, and then like they they figure out how to communicate with it, and they're about to like bridge the gap between this kind of like intergalactic being made of crystal before one of the humans you know kills it for petty revenge. And like I think we see so many good examples of like uh, what I will call, for lack of a better word, kind of like socialist alien fiction. You know, oh, yeah, ways, totally. ways to view and encounter the alien that aren't bogged down by, like, the literal alien in this case, <laughs> that, are, that aren't bogged down by, like, colonialism and capitalism. Because so much of our, uh, like, dominant alien imaginary landscape is just weighted down by, by all of, like, the horrible things that underpin our culture. Like, the whole idea of ancient aliens, it's, it's just, that's racism invented by H.P. Lovecraft. Full stop. Yes. Like literally, yeah, literally, yeah. if you look into the history of how ancient alien theories popped up, it was literally H.P. Lovecraft being a horrible racist. Yep. What was, what's that meme? What's yeah. that meme? I love the I love the one meme where it's like it'll be some picture of like a UFO hovering above like a Mayan pyramid or something, and it'll be like, uh, uh, just because white white culture couldn't figure out how to do this doesn't mean it was aliens or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like ooh, bodied. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like. Like what we see in the McPherson tape is is a view of an encounter with with an alien life form and an alien unknown 
that is entirely beholden to, to the worst elements in our society. And you can directly compare this with like other alien encounters with, with much better, with much, much more. Cause like Star Trek, it's not a perfect world in, in the Star Trek universe. They have their problems. It is mm. certainly not a vision of quote unquote full communism or whatever phrase you want to use, you know, but it is problems, problems which are explored in the best Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> That's 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 my that's my that is my hot that's my hot take on star trek ds9 is the best track please do not at me hey ds9 is good i am not i would never knock ds9 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah we definitely like like we definitely look at a kind of aliens and we we look into a mirror you know and this is this is what we see in ourselves and often we we see the worst in ourselves when we when we look into a mirror like this yes and and to use the alien as the threat is a is a convenient excuse to prevent us from honestly and critically engaging with the violence uh, and 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 kind of fractures within human subjectivity and the ways in which those are produced those are a symptom of continuing existence under the psychic toll of contemporary capitalism yeah, and I kind of like, I like the ending of the McPherson tape in this context, right? You know, because at the end of the movie, mm. uh, uh, the aliens abduct the family and, and the movie ends with, with like a little a little note that's just like, if you have any information about this family, please contact the authorities. You know, it's, it's got that same kind of like Blair Witch, Blair Witch beat ending where it's like, okay, this is all the information we have. Help us find these people. And like, yeah, yeah. like I like I like that ending because I think that like even within the vein of of alien films that treat uh, uh, extraterrestrials as like a hostile other, you kind of have two visions, and that's like the vision presented by the McPherson tape, which is like our system cannot withstand this. You know, our, our yeah. power, the way we see ourselves, it will not outlast this thing. You know, like we need to yeah. find a different way to encounter this force because we cannot defeat it. And then you've got like the much worse one, which is like Independence Day, you know, the ultra propagandistic like, like, you know, what's going to defeat the aliens, uh, an F-16 Raptor fighter pilot America. You know, with, with with a hacker and, and American ingenuity, you know, like, like it's, it's a horrible propaganda film for, for the United States military apparatus. And I do I do like that about the end of the McPherson tape, though, it's because like at the end, like. All, all of these kind of like uh, uh, visions of the nuclear family, these visions of like reactionary violence and, and, and kind of like that, that like get your guns mentality, you know, like it, it doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> it, it gets them defeated by this alien force. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not to say that anything could have saved them in the case of the McPherson tape, but <laughs> here we well, are. Well, 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 here's the thing, right? Here's the, here's, here's the thing that I, a kind of another hot take the 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 only source of violence depicted in this film comes from the family themselves right they want to get into the house okay yes but uh, am i like you know they're not pulling out guns they're not they're not well, we do we do have one uh, laser blast and a psychic incursion, sir. I'm like doing the fix my glasses nerdy thing right now. <laughs> um, I, I, well, think, well, I, I think I think this this the the psychic thing is really interesting because it's um it's the mom, isn't it, who says, "Oh, it wasn't it wasn't aggressive. It was just kind of insistent. Yeah. The, this voice in her head. It wasn't like violent. They were just going, open the door, please, open the door." So I I I I accept that yes maybe maybe the figures presented are not entirely benign but I think it's it's very tempting it's maybe too easy to just go they're aliens therefore dangerous. So I I completely agree with you and I I think um I would add that like we would never know whether or not the aliens yeah, in the precisely. mission tape are benign or not you know like precisely th th yes. this could very well fit into one of those kind of narrative tropes that I was talking about earlier where like the aliens landed and their, their intention was to visit this kind of backwoods planet and give them the warp drive or or the food replicator or, or the universal vaccine or one of these other like amazing uh, uh, sci-fi technologies that aliens always seem to have with them. <laughs> 
but like yeah, you know exactly. maybe they were coming to deliver these things to us you know or like help us along our own journey you know to a better society but we're never going to know right because in, in the mcpherson tape know. you know we we assume their intentions to be hostile and we respond with our own hostility which as we see generates only further hostility yes yes right like and especially because because there's a lot of like when you when you kind of encounter someone who's different than you in, in any te- context whether they're they're just you know from a different part of the world or whether they're literally from outer space you know like they they, they might do things <laughs> to which you are not accustomed right they they might have greetings you don't recognize and maybe the, maybe like the aliens in the mcpherson tape don't understand that like in our culture you're not supposed to just walk into somebody's house that that that's a cultural yeah, taboo absolutely. we have and it's not the the normal thing to do isn't just go into someone's home the normal thing to do is to knock and, and, and to wait to be invited in. It's vampire rules for everybody, you know? And like, yep. and instead of being like, oh, this is a cultural misunderstanding with people from literally from outer space who would never know otherwise. The, the people from the McPherson tape are like, we, okay, get your shotguns. I just pissed myself. I have to change my pants. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> and it's like, like, like it poses a lot of questions uh, about how our system is able to respond to new and external ideas just on this raw level. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and reveals a lot of the instabilities in that system oh yeah deep deeply <laughs> so i think the ultimate takeaway of this is that if aliens are real uh and when we when we meet them it should be socialists who do it <laughs> yeah if aliens if aliens ever show up they're gonna be like who's in charge and be like actually we're 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 a, a voluntarily associated federation of people. <laughs> we're a leaderless civilization. No one's in charge. Like, yeah, I I completely I completely agree that like, and I often think that like, um. So I think I think this is kind of a point I'll go out on. Right, is our our, yeah, our yeah. vision of the alien other is so enwrapped in kind of our cultural moment that a lot of times when like alien in movies and fiction and stuff, when aliens land on earth and, and they're like, Oh, we've come to give you this wonderful technology. You know, we, we have the anti-war machine where when you flip the switch, war just ends, you know, like, Oh, or they have like the, uh, the, the universal vaccine or this source of infinite food or infinite energy. What are the aliens really bringing? They're really bringing communism. Like, like that, that is the thing they're giving, but because like, you know, like the capitalist media machine can't, can't say those words out loud. It has to be some kind of like ludicrous thing, right? It has to be like, cause we would have essentially infinite food if we didn't misappropriate yeah. our resources. We would have yeah. a healed environment if we weren't actively killing it. We would have a, a, not necessarily a universal vaccine cause that's a little sci-fi, right? But we would have an infinitely superior medical system. We would have like less conflict possibly even no war if we had like a fully you know international socialist society and like this this is what so, the aliens are doing in all these movies the alien the so to 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 kind of wrap this up the aliens are real the aliens are comrades <laughs> we've come to our planet have you read the brand book <laughs> That's why they wanted them to open the door so they could give them <laughs> copies of the Conquest of Brad. Oh, oh my god. They're like, like they're hearing they're hearing the voice in their mind and the voice is like Open the door, please. We've come in peace. We distribute a locally written socialist newsletter that we think you'd enjoy. <laughs> they're, they're there to sell their copies of the socialist newspaper. <laughs> oh, a fun what a fun episode this is yeah been. this is this has been um, <laughs> this is this has gone from a 30 minute uh back and forth about the nature of found footage cinema to do 30 minutes of us discussing socialism posadism <laughs> i i love our podcast oh this is so much fun. fun i and i love the mcpherson tape too i really like this movie really did bring about this entire conversation like this movie is just so good yeah. i love it it is it is i think really foundational in so many ways um if you have never seen it it is floating around online um that you should be able to track down a copy pretty easily oh yeah and if you want like i um, just i just um, my pre-order uh, finally came in or i shouldn't say finally because of covid my pre-order miraculously came in 
Uh, and it's got like uh, director commentary, behind the scenes footage, alternate endings, interviews, panels. You know, if you if you want the full McPherson tape experience, I highly recommend it. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll even go back and do another episode on this. You know what? I think I think we have to do kind of the partner episode to this, and that's uh, covering nineteen. So this was nineteen eighty nine, and then there's nineteen ninety eight's Alien or UFO abduction, the incident at something lake. I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the full title of the remake, but uh, there, there is a remake that we can cover and do in concert with this. Oh, brilliant. What fun. Maybe, maybe we'll do like alien Um, August or something. Oh yes. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. So there's a free alliteration for all you kids at home. Uh, We do have some more themed months coming up, but keep an eye out for those um but thank you thank you so much for listening as always you can find ash and me on twitter um you can if you enjoy what we do if you enjoy us talking for half an hour about facadism <laughs> please do think please do think about um helping us cover the costs of doing this show by donating through uh patreon and you get access to a whole bunch of cool extras and our discord server as well um wherever you are i hope you are safe and uh staying safe and staying well And we will see you next time. Stay spooky. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. Ha 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 